For years, there has been an urban myth that has been shared uh, in all kinds of areas of, of education, business, religion, you name it. This urban myth has been shared. So many people have told the story of the frog and the boiling pot of water. You may have heard it yourself in some uh, part of your life experience. As the story goes, if you drop a frog in a pot of boiling water, it will instantly jump out. But if you put that frog into the pot of water and it's filled with pleasantly tepid water, and you gradually heat that water, as the story goes, the frog will remain in the water until it boils to death, never realizing the danger. Allegedly, the frog is not able to detect the gradual increase in temperature until it dies. Now, scientists have debunked this story. They've debunked this, this, this illustration. But the point of the illustration remains. When we come against sudden change, we react. When something in our, ha in our life happens, suddenly we react violently often. But if the change is subtle, almost imperceptible, if the change is, is subtle or it appears we don't even uh, notice it, especially if it appears innocent to us, and if we're not careful before we know it, we are miles and miles and miles away from where we want to be and we feel trapped. We can be trapped a victim to our enemy. A week ago, we kicked off this series, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And in that message last week, I told you that there is an enemy. You have an enemy that is crafty and deceptive, and he desires nothing else than to destroy you. He wants to do nothing else but take and steal everything that you love. He prowls around like a lion, seeking to devour and to destroy and yet he does not attack straight on. He lies in wait in the shadows, and he hunts by stealth. Your enemy is known in the Bible as the devil, Satan, Lucifer, and anything that is good in your life, he will try to steal. Anything that is good, he will try to steal. And the most important item that he will seek to destroy is your relationship with God. That is the most important thing he will try to steal, is your relationship with Jesus. He will try and worm your way, his way in, and he will seek to sit at the table of your mind. When you think about the story of the frog and the boiling pot of water, it is a cautionary tale for us, especially when we're dealing with an enemy who wants to sit at our table. Imagine for a second if I set up a table and I had a table here. And at that table were two chairs. And on that table was a feast set for you and for Jesus. Imagine if this table was here and I just stepped out of the way. And it was a place for you and the Lord to be. A table where you get to look across the table at each other and, and laugh and get to know each other. Because Jesus just wants to be with you and understand what's going on in your life. You're enjoying each other's company. You're having a great time. The conversation is good. And all of a sudden... This guy in a red suit with horns and a long tail and a pitchfork walks up to your table. Are you going to say, hey, why don't you come sit with me? Come sit down. Come sit at this table with us. Just you, me, and Jesus. We'll be okay. No. I hope if you saw a guy that looked like that, you would not welcome him to your table. I hope you would say no 
no to the devil if he came looking like that. But it's in the subtle, innocent ways. Innocent ways. In those innocent moments that we don't recognize him trying to sit at our table. That's where we get into trouble. We give the enemy permission to sit at our table anytime we say things like, well, that's just the way it is. Anxiety is just part of the equation. I just have to deal with it. I just have to accept it. We're all anxious. There's nothing we can do about it. It's just the way it is. We allow the enemy to sit at our table when we believe the lies that we aren't worth much to God, that other people are worth more to God than we are, or that God doesn't even care about us. We invite the enemy to pull up a chair when we start to believe that we deserve more. We allow competition and comparison into our lives. We allow greed and envy into our thoughts. We allow the enemy to sit at our table, and without realizing it, before you know it, you are talking like the enemy, and you're thinking thoughts the enemy wants you to focus on. All he needs is the thinnest crack, the thinnest crack, the smallest window, a chance to sit at your table. But as we learned last week, you are not powerless to stop this enemy from sitting. You have power as a son or as a daughter of Jesus to exercise, to exercise your faith against the devil's schemes. You have power to block that. You have the ability to renew your mind and to keep the devil from having a seat at your table. With all of his tricks, it can be hard for us to recognize the devil's schemes. That is true. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says uh, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He masquerades as an angel of light. What does that mean? It means that he fakes being our friend. He looks like he's our friend, but he's not our friend. He, he looks like he has your best in mind, but he doesn't have your best in mind. Through subtle ideas, he pretends to look out for you, but quietly, he's just trying to gain access to your table. Pastor Louis Giglio says this about the devil. In whatever way he can, he will gain access to your table. Whatever way he can. His goals are always the same. He wants to gain access to your mind so he can destroy you. He wants to get inside your head so harmful thoughts can be planted inside and within you. Those thoughts will grow and unchecked. They will become your actions. So what do we do? What do we do? How do you keep the enemy from sitting at your table? How do you know if the enemy has already taken a seat at your table? And how do you rid him? How do you excise him from your table? How do you prevent him from sitting there in the future? How do you do it? Well, the answer is twofold. I'm going to give you two ways that you can do it today. And the first is that you spot the lies. And the next is that you listen to truth. You spot the lies and you believe and listen to the truth. You spot the lies that the devil is whispering into your ears, not so you can focus on the lies, but so that you can avoid the lies. You spot them, you identify them so you can avoid them. Then after you identify the lies, you get your gaze back on Jesus. You get it back on Jesus, believing the truth. When you spot the lies, you can win the battle for your mind. The entire battle for our entire existence is won or lost here in our minds. 
Now, as we've said, the enemy, uh, our, our enemy, is crafty. He is crafty, and he will lose, use lots of tactics to try and worm his way into your life. And today, I'm just going to look at three. There are more that he will employ, but these are three of the big ones. And I want to bring three of them up, uh, up close, and then I'm going to give you a measuring stick so you can test if it's God's voice or your enemy's voice. So you can measure this out. And the first one is this. It's the lie of comparison. The enemy's first tactic is the lie of comparison. How many of us have ever thought, you know, the grass sure looks greener over there, right? It sure looks greener over there. That, that whisper in your ear, it's that subtle little thought. The moment that you have compared your situation to someone else's and thought it would be better if I was over there, if I had what they have, that was the enemy sitting at your table, spewing the lie of comparison into your ear. Jesus' table, the one that he prepares for you, has life and life abundantly. Any other table, any other table diminishes that life. Please hear me. God's table is life abundant. Any other table is life diminished. When the enemy sits at your table, what he does is he starts whispering into your ear about how amazing that is over there. How amazing it is for that person or what they have or how great it would be if you had X, Y, and Z. You should leave where you are because it's better over there. Anytime the devil points to another table apart from the one that God has set for you, Anytime there's another table being pointed out and says that over there is the solution to your problem, you are hearing the voice of the enemy trying, trying to sit at your table. Do not give in to the lie of comparison. One of the, great, the enemy's greatest tricks is to get us to look at our lives and compare ourselves with others. To compare our lives to someone else's, to wish what they have. If the devil was a baker... If he was a baker and he puts on his chef's hat, he'd, he'd mix in a little jealousy. He'd drop in some envy into the bowl. He'd sprinkle a little woe is me into the mix. He'd toss in a few, oh, how God must really love that person. And voila, he would bake you a lie of comparison cake that looks so good. It looks so good, you just want to taste it. And before you know it, the devil has convinced you that God isn't good or that God isn't trustworthy. And he's sitting at your table. If you're not sitting at the table with the Lord, locking eyes with him, spending time with him, if your eyes are wandering from side to side, if you're looking at the other tables that people are enjoying and seem to be having a good time at, if you're looking at any other table wandering around the room, wondering what their food tastes like at their tables, you will suffer the lie of comparison. Beware of this lie. It is one of the enemy's greatest, greatest techniques and tactics. The second lie that I want to warn you about is the lie of overwhelm. If you've ever thought you're not going to make it, life is just too hard. There is no way out of this situation. The enemy is sitting at your table. I think this is one of the most predominant lies that the enemy 
is bringing against the budding generation, this next generation. You students in the room, I believe that your generation is facing this in a profound, profound way. If he can capture the hearts and the minds of those coming of age to believe that this life is hopeless, then he can stop them before they ever get started. But it's not just Generation Z. How many of us live with the lie of overwhelm on a daily basis? How many have uttered the words, man, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. I just don't know how I'm going to make it through this season, finish this semester, get through this challenging time. If you've ever said something like that, where did you hear those words of doom and gloom? Because they're not coming from the great shepherd. They're not coming from, from Jesus. You've probably heard them from an enemy who's sitting at your table. One of the most powerful lines in Psalm 23 that resonates with everyone is the phrase, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It resonates us with because all of us feel shadow. All of us have experienced the valley. But notice that through the psalm, what it says, it, it, God tells us that we're going to go through the shadow, through the valley, even though I walk through the valley, not even though I fly above the valley, not even though I go around the valley, even though you go through the valley. In other words, you're going to make it even though I go through the valley, I will fear no evil. That's the even though I will faith that we are developing in this message series. Even though I will, even though I will, even though there are tough times and I am overwhelmed, I will trust Jesus because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. The lie of overwhelm always, always falls away in the face of an I will, uh, in, a, in the face of an even though I will faith. The third tactic of the enemy is the lie of worthlessness. If the lie of overwhelm tells us we're not going to make it, the lie of worthlessness tells us we have no value. Anytime you've ever heard the whisper in your ear that you are not good enough, the enemy is sitting at your table. In fact, the you're not good enough soundtrack that plays over and over in so many of our ears is actually a melody that comes straight from the pit of hell. You will never, ever hear the good shepherd say you're not good enough. Those words are crippling and they kill our spirits. They paralyze us and they damage us in the most tender parts of our soul. If you've ever heard those words in the past and now you find yourself repeating them in the present, I'm not good enough, you know, you know that you are listening to a lie. This lie tries to convince you that you will uh, never amount to anything, so you might as well just give up. When you hear that lie, spot it for what it is, identify it, and then lock eyes with Jesus. Lock eyes with Jesus, who is sitting across the table from you. 
Look to the good shepherd who will set a feast before you. When you look at that table, when you look at Jesus, do you see guilt and shame as you sit alone with him? Or do you see the nail-scarred hands that gave up everything for you? If you were looking towards Jesus in any way, the truth is that he has invited you, that he's booked the table, that he has set the feast, that he sat down to join you, that this reservation that Jesus has made cost him everything. The lie is that you're not good enough. The truth is that you are worth everything. Everything. The lies of comparison, overwhelm, worthlessness. These are three biggies, but your enemy will use anything he can think of to get you to allow him to sit at your table. And so the way you keep him away is is that you believe in the truth rather than the lies. You replace the, the lies with truth. You renew your mind using the Bible, the place where we learn about what God truly believes of us. I want to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 35, and then 37 and 39, because it has a great message for us so that we can anchor ourselves when we are trying to see the devil's lies. And it says this, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you are frightened, when you are confused, when you feel less than, or overwhelmed, or find yourself believing the whisper in your ear that you are no good. Lock eyes with Jesus. Lock eyes upon Jesus. He's sitting across from you. He is the good shepherd. And the truth is that nothing in life can ever separate you from God's love. His voice drowns out the enemy's lies every time, but you have to be looking at Jesus to hear him. Your enemy is going to scream at you. He is going to shout at you. He is going to 
try to distract you. He will cheat and he will lie to get your attention. He is prowling around looking for ways to devour you. But God, the good shepherd, will always speak life and truth into your life. For if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? No one. For God himself has right, given us right standing. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? No. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons. Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, no, nor in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. When you renew your mind, and you lock eyes upon Jesus, you defeat the enemy's tactics. So hold on to the truth in the Bible. Hold on to that truth, and you will keep the enemy from sitting at your table. Amen.